You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. There's something very special about a father and a son. There's something very special about that role. And, and you know what? I, I, I just love that little skit that happened there where it's just kind of like the son is in panic mode. Like, you know what? I'm dead. Dad is going to disown me. I've done wrong. I was 100% in the wrong. And when my dad finds out, I'm in big trouble. But yet, as fathers, not that we don't want to discipline our kids and not that we don't want to instruct them on the ways that are right, but we our heart and our love for our kids far outweigh that. And when an accident happens and you get that phone call that something has happened, the very first thing is, are you okay? Is everything all right? Let's get praying. Let's just, let's just get in that place where it's just kind of like, Lord, we need you right at this very moment. You know what? My son is, is eight years, uh, seven years old. And as Lucas is seven, he walked in that place um, this last few months of saying, you know what, I'm shy. And, and, uh, and as he would pray, he would pray those prayers like, Jesus, I just ask God that you would just uh, bless us. And I'm just, and I was saying to him, like, 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 Lucas, what are you doing? He's like, Dad, I'm shy. I'm shy. I'm shy, Dad. And finally, I got to the place where I'm like, Lucas, you are not shy. There's nothing about you that is shy. In fact, the Bible tells us that you've got a spirit of boldness upon you. And you know what, that, that whole thing that you're shy is a lie from the enemy, and you're believing that lie right now. Well, we got invited over to Jesse's place for dinner, and uh, when we went over there, there was a whole bunch of people there, and when we went there, uh, Lucas went downstairs to play with the kids, and we're all upstairs in the kitchen kind of talking with the adults. And I just heard him say, talk, and he says, you know what, I'm not shy, I'm bold. And he just started going off, and it, it just made my heart as a father swell. Because I'm like, you know what? You're catching these principles, son. In Luke chapter 7, we read about two people who encountered Jesus on very, very different paths. Jesus is invited to eat at Simon the Pharisee's house. Simon doesn't give Jesus a kiss when he walks in, though that would have been the custom. Typically, the custom would have been to be able to wash his feet as the guest or to have a servant do it. And Jesus' feet go unwashed. Often when you have that guest, especially a distinguished guest, you want to go to that place of just, of just lavishing on them. So Jesus comes, and Simon greets him, and he calls him, and I'm going to go back to this, but he calls him good teacher, because he's walking in that place of knowledge. I want knowledge from you, Jesus. He doesn't greet him with a kiss. He doesn't wash his feet. He doesn't really embrace him as the Savior of the world. So Jesus is eating at the house of this pretender, and in the middle of this meal, there's an uninvited guest. The Bible tells us in Luke 7 that she was known as a sinner, a woman of ill repute. Now just imagine that. There's a whole bunch of Pharisees, there's a whole bunch of highly political people, people of high influence. And this woman comes in, and, and, and this, these guys know exactly who this woman is. 
And as she comes in, she kneels at Jesus' feet and she stops to, starts to weep and she starts to cry. And then she, she has her hair all up and she takes her hair down and she starts to wash his feet and dry his feet with his hair. And then she breaks open some perfume and anoints his feet with perfume, which causes them just to be so angry because he's doing something that they do not like. They, he's do, they're, she's doing something that they do not approve of. And they're like, Jesus, if you really were who you said you are, then you would not allow this moment to be taking place. Let's just freeze there for a moment. We're going to come back to it. Keep that story fresh in your mind as we step into that place about intimacy. In Cole Lake Community Church, we have a lot of babies. In fact, in this next service coming up, we're doing a baby dedication. You see, as a dad, I totally love my kids. And as a dad, I, I, I don't mind being that dad who, who feeds the babies, who, who clothes the babies, who changes the diapers. Yet I remember as a, as a dad, there's something really unique that happens. I had this little program all set down. Lucas or Liberty or Mackenzie would start to cry, and I would get up, and, and I would change the diaper. And then if that didn't work, then, then you know what? I would, I would walk around with the, with, the, with the baby, and I'd start to sing or pat it on the back. And if that didn't work, then I would, I would go and I would feed the baby and I would do that kind of a thing. And if that, that didn't work, then I would, do, I would do anything to get that baby to stop crying. I'd even change the channel from Wild TV to Teletubbies to see if that would work. But then all of a sudden, Cindy would come home from the grocery store. Cindy would come from home from whatever. And when that baby would hear Cindy's voice, it would stop crying because there's something so precious about a mother and their child. There's something that a mom knows. Like, my wife is the baby whisperer. You know? It's like someone, when a baby, you're in a room of people with a baby, and the baby starts crying. All of a sudden, the baby becomes like the hot potato. You just keep passing around. But when it gets to mom, it just settles down. You know, it's amazing. Cindy could hear that baby crying and know which cries mean what. She would hear that baby crying and say, oh, the baby's hungry. Or she would hear the baby crying, oh, the baby's dirty, need to change the dirty. And I'm like, how can you tell? How do you know what is going on by the sound of a cry? They all sound the same to me. They're all annoying. Because a mother is able to know and understand her child's wants and needs in a way that nobody else can. In a picture, that is intimacy. And until you witnessed or have been in that kind of relationship, you don't know what true intimacy is. I could read you the definition of intimacy. I could explain you where the word comes from or how the word is used, but you would not really know what intimacy is you would not, unless you were able to experience that whole role about intimacy. God wants to know you intimately. See, probably the best biblical word from intimacy is the word known. And it's first used in the context of a relationship in Genesis 4.1. Genesis 4.1 simply says that Adam knew his wife Eve. That's from the King James Version. We're going old school today. And the Hebrew word for known here is the word yada. The definition for yada is to know and to be completely known. In the NIV, it translates the word a little bit differently because it puts it into context of what's happening. So you probably see in Genesis 4.1 that Adam lay with his wife Eve. So then you get the picture. This is our context for yada. Now let's not just giggle and brush by that. It's not just a yada, yada, yada moment. 
This is yada moment because it's between a husband and a wife. It's that intimacy connection on every single level to know, to be known. I think of a beautiful picture. There's something to be said for the sacredness of sexual intimacy. That's when we first read about sex. It's about intimacy and not about physical pleasure. There are other Hebrew words that could have been used. Words later in Scripture referred to as a physical act or even procreation. But here in this intimate collection, one Hebrew scholar calls it, it's a mingling of souls. For those of us who are married, do you remember when you first started dating? Man, you'd go out maybe to a restaurant with your girl or your guy. And you'd sit down and you'd just get involved in this depth of conversation. And you'd be just trying to learn about everything. What, what, do you, what do you like? What's your dreams? What's your goals? You're trying to learn about everybody. And the, the waiter would come and drop the food off there. But the food didn't matter. It could go cold because you're just so learning about one another. You're so excited about it. But you know what? Something changes as we get older. You ever see a couple that have been married for decades sit in a restaurant? Quite often they sit silently. And they just enjoy their meal and then they get up and walk out. You think, man, that might be sad. That's sad. Like they used to connect in such an intimate way. But the truth of the matter is, is they know each other on a level where they can connect in silence. They're connecting in such an awesome way that when you first started dating, you cannot do that because you don't know the person. I'm telling you, uh, you what I'm about to tell you may seem a bit strange to some of you. It may be even a little bit weird. Well, let's work on some of this weirdness, but let's just be ready for it. If you trace the use of yada through the Old Testament, you'll find that over and over again, this same word that is used to describe God's relationship with us, over and over, yada is the word that is used to describe how God knows you and how he wants to be known by you. That's weird, right? The same word, the same connection used to describe a man and a wife is used to describe how God wants to know you. This completely changed the way that I saw my relationship with God. Thinking that the day in and day out connection with God, comparisons, I wasn't connecting with God the way that I was connecting with my wife. But learning this taught me something. My relationship to Jesus is not a weekend fling. It's not just a casual encounter but it's yada, a deep knowing, a deep intimacy. You know, David uses that word yada about six times to describe how God knows us in Psalms 139. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, Lord, even before I say it. You know, you know, you know. David speaks to God in this intimate way. It says, God, you know how I feel. You know how I hurt. You know, Lord, what I'm thinking. God knows you so intimately. But yet, sometimes our only connection with the Lord is that Sunday morning connection. God wants us to be passionate about him. God wants us to pull so close to him. He's got, he's got different characters and aspirations that he wants to be able to download into your spirit. God wants us to know him. 
While it's crazy that God knows us that deeply and intimate, it's even more crazy to me that God invites us to know him. God wants his soul to mingle with ours for some wild reason. The creator of the heavens and earth have offered an invitation to you and me. For different people, that comes in different ways. Some it's studying the word of God and just getting into that and saying, Lord, your word says that there's hidden jewels and gems. For some people, it's, it's prayer. Other people, we, the, the Bible tells us that we're going to see dreams and have visions of the Lord. But it's open to every single one of us. You know, Cindy and I were talking this morning about this, and she showed me this scripture, and I, I just thought I'd share it with you today. It's in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. It says, and you should... This is uh, Paul, he's speaking to the people. He says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. How, how does Paul say imitate me as I imitate Christ when he never really walked with Christ? He wasn't a disciple of Christ. He wasn't, he wasn't in that place like John and, and, and Peter. I believe that he just had such an intimate relationship with the Lord that God showed him different things. You know, as a pastor, there was a time in my life where, where I was just so like, God, I want to see your face. Lord, your, your, word says this, your, your word says, you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. And God, I want to I see you, Lord. And sometimes, you know, you'd have somebody come up to you. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but they'd come up to you and say, oh, pastor, I met with Jesus and he took me up to heaven and he showed me this. And I'm like, Seriously? Like, that's amazing. But it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus just showed me this. It's kind of like, how is that possible? Like, that doesn't even happen for me. I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, and I still haven't had Jesus take, hey, come on, Lance, we're going to go to heaven. Come on, let's, I'm going to show you something up in heaven. And it blows me away. And then I, I got into that, we, we do that encounter ministry here, and that encounter ministry, I'm not going to, I don't have the time to go into encounter, but it's really in the encounter ministry is when you say, God, I know that every perfect and good gift is yours, Lord. And Lord Jesus, why in the world, if you created me, God, why would you give me an imagination? Did you give me an imagination so I could fantasize about stuff? Did you give me an imagination so I can dream about dreams and just kind of uh, project things for future development? I believe the Lord gave us an imagination to be able to meet with God. And, I, and I, was, I was in this place, and I'm just kind of like, you know what? I did a couple of counters, and I would kind of see Jesus, where I'd kind of like, okay, I know that's Jesus. But I wouldn't see him. It would be just kind of like I would see these legs in a, in a cloud. And I'd be like, oh, there goes Jesus. These legs just kind of walking. But I'm like, Lord, I want to see your face. And I prayed and fasted, and I pressed in and pressed in, but I could never, ever achieve it. Till this one day, I was doing an encounter session. And, and uh, my facilitator just said, you know what, just, just relax and just, just picture something in your imagination, a safe place. And, and I'd always kind of picture like a farmer's field or something like that. But for the first time as I was sort of thinking about a farmer's field, I just, into my mind, just came this whole image of my backyard when I was a kid. And I said, well, you know, I, I was trying to think of a farmer's field, but this is what came into my mind. She said, okay, let's just describe it to me. I said, well... I got a fairly big backyard. The grass is green. I got three fruit trees there. There's an apple tree in my backyard, and I've got a cherry tree, and I've got a, uh, a pear tree. 
and, and there's a big ash tree. I used to climb that ash tree when I was a kid, and my, I have a red brick house and, and all this kind of stuff. And she says, okay, do you see Jesus? And I'm looking around, and I look up in that ash tree, and I see these legs up there. And I, but, but again, I don't see his, this. I just see these legs. I'm like, yeah, he's up in the tree. So she says, do you, do you want to climb up to Jesus and, and meet with him? I'm like, sure. So I started climbing up the tree. But as I climbed up the tree, it just seemed like I got farther. The, the higher I climbed, the farther he got. And then I just sort of sat in the tree, and I just kind of pouted. I'm just like, I can't get to Jesus. And I said, that's, the, my, the whole, that's my whole problem. We talk about things like intimacy. And man, I'm a prayer warrior. I love praying. I love, I love to fast. I love to, to press into that place, but I've never seen Jesus. She says, why don't you just ask him why I won't meet with you or why you can't get to him? I said, Jesus, why won't you meet with me? I love you so much, and what's wrong with me that you won't meet with me? And I just felt the voice of the Lord just say, Lance, where I am, you can't get to on your own. I said, okay. I said, would you take me there? And boom, I'm sitting on that branch right beside him. He's looking in my face. He's sitting like this, just looking in my face, and I'm just like, I see him. I see Jesus. And she says, okay, what do you want to ask him? I'm like, I don't know. I said, it's been years and years and years that I've been wanting to see this, and now that I see the face of Jesus, I have no idea what to do. So she says, why don't you ask him what he wants to do? And I'm like, Jesus, is there something you want to tell me? He says, Lance, I like your face. I said, I like your face too. And he says, you want to go for, you want to fly with me? And you know what? I'm really exposing myself today, guys. Because I don't know, there may be someone here thinking, this is weird. This is weird for me too. And I'm like, sure. And all of a sudden he took his arm and he put his arm around me and boom, we're, we're, we left the tree. And I didn't see us flying around like Superman or anything like that. But we're boom, we're on top of the Bolton Water Towers. I grew up in Bolton, Ontario. And I'm like, I'm, I'm on top of the Bolton Water Towers. I'm like, I have no idea why I'm here. I, I haven't thought of the Bolton Water Towers in over 20 years. She says, well, why don't you ask him? I'm like, Jesus, why would you take me to the Bolton Water Towers? And he just pointed. I looked over at the edge of the Bolton Water Towers, and there's the old hockey arena. I'm like, I hate hockey. Like, well, I don't get it. Why would you bring me here? I'm not a hockey fan. I never played hockey. I never spent any time in the Bolton Arena. But you see, Bolton was such a, a hockey town. And mom and dad didn't have finances. They didn't have a lot of money. And I would always say, I want to play hockey. Mom's like, no, you'll poke your eye out with a stick. You can't play hockey. So, so as I grew up as a kid, my class grew closer together because all my class was, was so involved in hockey, but I wasn't. I sort of became the, the outsider. And, and the Lord looked at me, and he, and he says, Lance, and, and I looked down, I looked at myself, and, and I was wearing a jersey, hockey jersey, and it was not of a team that I'd know, known. It wasn't like the Maple Leafs or something like that. It was just a jersey. And I looked at that, and he says, uh, Lance, you're on my team. And he took his hand and he put his hand on my chest. And when he moved his hand away, I had to see on my chest. He says, not only are you on my team, but you're a captain on my team. And then I'm in the middle of the arena and there's all those kids. And I started playing hockey with them. And it was me against everyone. But they were kids and I was an adult. And they couldn't skate. They couldn't, 
They couldn't do anything. I'm just skating around. I'm just like Wayne Gretzky, just take the puck off anybody and shoot and score. And, and I'm just laughing at them. I'm just like, oh, man, the score's like 104 to zero. You guys suck. And I'm just skating around and this kind of stuff. I'm laughing. I'm having a great time. And then she's like, where's Jesus? I'm like, I don't know. He was on top of the water tower last I remember. She's like, why don't you just look around and see if you can see Jesus? So I looked around, and when I looked around, I just started to bawl. And she said, what do you see? I said, he's in the stands, and he's holding up a sign that says, go, Lance, go. And he's just a proud papa. We ended up back in our backyard, and we were back in our backyard. I opened up my eyes then, and I just said, you know what? I'm done. I've had enough. She says, do you want to just thank Jesus for what he did? I said, yeah. So I said, Jesus, thank you for meeting with me. And she says, why don't you just ask him if there's something else that he wants to do? And I said, Jesus, is there anything else you want to show me? He says, there's one more thing. I said, okay. And he points down to my, my dad's old tool shed. And uh, I walked towards the tool shed. And as I walked forward to the tool shed, all of a sudden the, the whole image froze. And I could move around, but everything else was just froze. And I looked, and there was beside the tool shed, just behind the tool shed, there was this big present. And inside the tool shed, I'll get to that in a minute, but outside the tool shed, he says, do you want to open up your present? I said, yes. And I opened up the present, and this beanstalk went up to the heavens. It says, Lance, your, my face will never be hidden from you again. And then when he did that, I looked inside the tool shed, and inside the tool shed was me as a little kid. And there was this big explosion in there. And this white shield was around me. And I remember that when I was a little kid, I took a mason jar of bugs, and I was filling it with full of bugs, and I was burning the bugs with magnifying glass. And I had so many bugs that I got sort of sick of burning them with a the magnifying glass, and I just wanted to kill them all, so I shoved in the newspaper, and I set the newspaper on fire. But as the newspaper went on fire, it went, the, the flame burned up, and the bugs were at the bottom, and I'm like, hmm, that's not working. So I grabbed my dad's jerry can of gasoline, and I, and I poured that into this open flame. And as I did that, this explosion just went, and I just went, whoa. And the Lord showed me that, and he just says, you know what, Lance? And I looked at Jesus, and I knew exactly what, he, what, what that, that picture meant. And he looked at me, and he says, I like your face. And I said, I like yours, too. And then I started singing, You're Beautiful, by Phil Wickham to him. And as I sang, You're Beautiful, he started echoing back to me, You're Beautiful. And then he got kind of giddy. And I'd say, You're Beautiful. He goes, No, You're Beautiful. I said, No, You're Beautiful. He goes, No, You're Beautiful. I said, No, You're Beautiful. He says, Lance, he says, You think I'm beautiful? He says, Wait till you meet my dad. It's not about church on Sunday morning. It's awesome. I love church on Sunday morning. I love hanging out with you guys, rubbing shoulders. But it's about knowing God intimately. And whatever that is for you, whether it be through an encounter, whether it be through the Word of God, whether it be through prayer, whether it be through dreams, through visions, if you haven't had that kind of stuff, then it's time to say, God, I want to know you, Lord. Intimacy can be pretty scary because it involves allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And many people fear intimacy with others and with God because they know that vulnerability and pain go hand in hand. So many people have experienced a betrayal 
or a crushing blow from someone close to them. They opened up, they made themselves vulnerable, and then somebody let them down. And when we make ourselves vulnerable to God, we know he's going to find some things in our life, some things that we're not proud of. Again, think back to this sinful woman in Luke 7. She was a woman of ill repute. She knows she had a sin in her life that made her unworthy to touch the Messiah. And because we've all fallen short, we know that God's going to look into our lives and find things that he doesn't condone. So it kind of makes sense that many people would be afraid to become vulnerable. But followers know that there's so much more gained from intimacy with God because then we know that, there, that he's there with us through any pain that we, we may endure. That comfort knowing that God is with you can only come through intimacy. In a church, we often fail to embrace this kind of intimacy with Jesus. Instead, we create a system focused around learning, not unlike Simon and the other Pharisees. Admittedly, our default setting as men and women are knowledge and not intimacy. Think about it. We love our Bible studies, many which include a workbook of some kind. We love sermons and the PowerPoints that we can write down and take notes. We love little outlines that we can follow. Even our kids, they go into the, to the children's classes and they learn and they memorize scriptures. Now don't get me wrong. Studying and learning from God's word is invaluable. Jesus referred, read, and quoted all kinds of passages from the Old Testament. Amp proof that we have to study God's word with great care and diligence. However, we cannot expect knowledge to replace intimacy. Even though we often try to, and I think that we try to subdue knowledge for intimacy because knowledge is so much easier. It's easy for us to say, well, I know about Jesus. But he wants us to know him. That's where we find Simon the Pharisee. He knew a lot about Jesus and his teachings. He wanted to learn more. He calls him teacher, emphasizing that most interested in learning from Jesus, not opening up to Jesus. Simon sees all this woman does for Jesus, her embracing actions. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 7, verse 39, it says, When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner, and, and uh, and he says to himself, But Jesus, who knew Simon's thoughts, answered him, Look, I came to the house, you did not give me a kiss, not even on my hand. She has not stopped kissing my feet. You gave me nothing to wash my feet with, and she is washing my feet with her tears. You gave me no olive oil for my head, and she has poured perfume on my feet. And people can just see the brokenness of this woman. And then Jesus turns to this woman and says, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. See, Simon brought the meal, but the, the woman brought the package. That is Jesus Messiah. That is Jesus our Savior. That is what it is when we go into that place and say, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, transform my life. May I look more and more like Jesus every day. Father God, let, my, let I not be a fan, but Lord Jesus, help me to walk in that role as follower Because, Jesus, I know you are my everything. Man, I wonder some of these songs that they've written, like that Tim Hughes one, You Are My Everything, where do they get that from? 
They get it from knowing him. They get it from spending time in his presence where they just like David cries out, Lord, here's my guts, God. Lord, this is everything, Lord. You are my everything. And without you, God, I fall so short of your glory. My friends, this is the journey that we're going on. A journey to know Jesus. A journey to look like Jesus. A journey to mold our lives and say, God, I choose intimacy over knowledge. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You know what, if you'd like some prayer, I'm going to just sort of abstain from it today just because, again, my throat's just kind of really bothering me. But Hayward and Effie and uh, uh, Mark and Diane are here, and they'd love to pray for you. Um, is the worship team around? Let's see uh, Grant here. Just uh, throw on a CD there, bud. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.